0: you are now tuned into Civil War Stories. I'm your host, Steve Matthews, here to guide you through the fields and towns of mid-19th century America as we delve into the epic conflict that shaped the very soul of this great nation, the Civil War. Together, we'll explore riveting stories from an era of transformation and sacrifice, hearing tales of valiant charges, whispered plots, and the profound human experiences behind the blue and the gray. And if your historical appetite is still hungry for more tales of valor and conflict, be sure to check out our companion podcast, World War II Stories, where we unravel the global conflict that raged nearly a century later. You can find the link in the description or make your way to podhour.com WW2. So, ready your ears and steady your hearts as we traverse through the pages of time, delving into a chapter of history where a nation fought for its very identity. In the annals of American history, few periods are as marked by sacrifice and struggle as the Civil War, a titanic clash of beliefs and passions that pitted brother against brother, friend against friend. Among the numerous battles and skirmishes that dotted this bloody landscape, the Second Battle of Bull Run, fought from August 28 to August 30, 1862, holds a unique place. The battle, also known as the Second Battle of Manassas, was a crucial event during the second year of the Civil War. It saw two of the war's most emblematic figures, Major General John Pope of the Union and General Robert E. Lee of the Confederacy, locking horns in a contest of strategy, courage, and raw military might. As we journey back in time, we venture into a world brimming with uncertainty, conflict, and fierce dedication to conflicting causes. With Union and Confederate forces converging around a little-known stream named Bull Run, the stakes could not have been higher. On the horizon loomed the fate of a nation, divided and bleeding, its future hanging in the balance as soldiers marched towards the gunfire, their destinies intertwined with that of their respective sides. What led these men to this battlefield? What were the critical events of those three tumultuous days in August 1862? How did the echoes of the Second Battle of Bull Run reverberate through the remainder of the Civil War, and what is the legacy of this significant clash? Our exploration will take us from the war rooms to the front lines, from quiet moments of planning and anticipation to the frenzied chaos of battle. It is a story of courage and miscalculation, of grand strategies and missed opportunities. Of triumph and despair. Join us as we delve into this pivotal episode of American history, the Second Battle of Bull Run, and uncover the men and moments that shaped its course, ultimately shaping the destiny of a nation. Chapter 1 The Prelude to Second Bull Run Imagine a tapestry, vast and intricate, weaving together tales of a nation on the brink of a seismic shift. The threads of our story begin in 1861 a year that had seen the country torn apart by the irreconcilable discord over slavery. As southern states declared secession from the Union following the election of Abraham Lincoln, tensions escalated into an armed conflict. Among the characters threaded into this unfolding tapestry were figures who had come to define this era in American history. Notably, President Lincoln emerged as a beacon of hope for the Union with a firm conviction and a resolve as unwavering as the oak, he committed to the preservation of the United States. His antithesis, Jefferson Davis, President of the Confederate States, personified the South's determination to protect its way of life and its perceived rights, including the institution of slavery. In the first months of the conflict, war was but a distant rumble for many, a temporary storm that would soon pass. Yet, As months turned into a year, the reality of a long, grueling struggle set in. Military strategy became the crucial difference between survival and annihilation. In the East, Union generals aimed to crush the rebellion swiftly with the Anaconda Plan, designed to choke the Confederacy into submission through a naval blockade and the seizure of the Mississippi River. The South, on the other hand, opted for a defensive strategy hoping to outlast the Northern will to fight while seeking support from European powers. As the year 1862 dawned, the North and South had witnessed the raw brutality of war in battles like First Bull Run and Shiloh. High casualty numbers shocked both sides into realizing that the path ahead would be paved with hardship and sacrifice. Major General George B. McClellan, leading the Union's Army of the Potomac, Initiated the Peninsula Campaign in the early summer of 1862, with the aim of capturing Richmond, the Confederate capital. The plan was promising but resulted in a muddled and indecisive campaign, leading to McClellan's eventual removal from command. It was in this backdrop of strategic blunders and unfulfilled potential that the stage was set for the Second Battle of Bull Run. As the threads of this grand tapestry continued to intertwine, They wove an image of a country at war with itself, drawing ever closer to a pivotal moment in its history. And standing at the crossroads were two men, Major General John Pope and General Robert E. Lee, each carrying the hopes and expectations of their respective sides into what would become one of the Civil War's most significant battles. As the simmering tensions and military disappointments of the Civil War continued, two remarkable men rose to prominence their destinies intertwined with the fate of their respective armies. One was Major General John Pope, the other, General Robert E. Lee. John Pope, a Kentuckian by birth, was a career military officer with experience in both the Mexican-American War and on the western frontier. He held a reputation for boldness, if not outright arrogance. As he took command of the newly formed Union Army of Virginia in the summer of 1862, He was filled with the belief that he could do what his predecessor, McClellan, had failed to accomplish defeat the Confederacy in the Eastern Theater. In contrast, the Confederacy's Robert E. Lee, a Virginia native and West Point graduate, was a man of impeccable character and a military tactician of considerable genius. His style was methodical, and his demeanor, although reserved, inspired deep respect from his soldiers. Lee believed in the Southern cause wholeheartedly, and as he took command of the Confederate Army of Northern Virginia, he bore the weight of Southern hopes on his shoulders. Their strategies were as distinct as their personalities. Pope's strategy was one of aggression, aimed at pressing the Confederates by attacking their railroads and supply lines. He wanted to draw the Confederate forces out of their defensive positions and engage them in open combat. His boldness was matched only by his harsh measures against Southern sympathizers, evident in his controversial orders. Lee, in comparison, recognized the value of a defensive strategy but was not averse to taking calculated risks. He was a master at understanding the landscape of the battlefield and used it to his advantage. He also relied heavily on the audacity of his generals, including the indomitable Stonewall Jackson To execute rapid movements and flank attacks. Their contrasting styles set the stage for a clash that was as much a test of their respective military strategies as it was a struggle for political and moral victory. The calm before the storm was about to give way, and as Pope's and Lee's forces moved closer to confrontation, the small meandering stream known as Bull Run was readying itself for the bloodshed to come. In the warm, late summer days of August 1862, The shadows of the Union and Confederate armies loomed large over the verdant fields and rolling hills near the quiet stream of Bull Run. It was a serene landscape that belied the storm of conflict that was about to descend upon it. Major General John Pope, bearing the weight of Union expectations, had maneuvered his newly formed Army of Virginia into position. His bold statements and aggressive strategies had raised hopes in the North. But had also strained relationships with his troops and the civilian population. Pope's General Orders Numbers 5 and 7 had mandated harsh measures against Southern sympathizers and civilians, an act that ruffled many feathers. Meanwhile, the Confederate forces, under the calm and steady leadership of General Robert E. Lee, were consolidating. Following the recent Seven Days Battles that had thwarted the Union's Peninsula Campaign, Lee had managed to move his army northward, to counter the threat posed by Pope's forces. The Confederate forces were also buoyed by the recent arrival of Stonewall Jackson's troops, who, after a rapid march, had reunited with Lee's main body. They were ready to defend their homeland against the impending Union offensive. And as the sun set on August 27, the eve of the battle, the air was thick with anticipation. Campfires flickered like stars strewn across the landscape, as thousands of men, clad in blue and grey, huddled around them, sharing stories, laughter, and silence. Their hearts carried a jumble of emotions, courage and fear, determination and uncertainty, hope and despair. In the distance, the stream of bull run flowed quietly, oblivious of the tide of history that was about to turn its tranquil waters red. In the headquarters of both armies, maps were unrolled, and strategies discussed late into the night. Pope, confident and brash, aimed to engage the Confederates aggressively, hoping to sever their supply lines and isolate them. Lee, on the other hand, intended to counter Pope's aggression with a combination of defensive measures and quick, decisive attacks. The stage was set. The players were in their places. As the dawn of August 28 approached, the Second Battle of Bull Run was poised to begin, a clash that would test the mettle of the armies, the strategies of their leaders, and the resilience of a nation torn by civil war. Chapter 2 The Opening Salvo August 28, 1862 As dawn broke on August 28, 1862, the hushed whispers of the morning breeze were about to be replaced by the harrowing sounds of battle. The peaceful dawn belied the storm that was about to break out near the now-infamous Bull Run. John Pope, at the helm of the Union forces, was eager to engage his adversaries. He saw an opportunity to cut off the Confederate forces from their supply lines and eagerly pushed forward. Little did he know, his audacious plan would be countered with an equally daring move. Meanwhile, the Confederate forces, under the command of Robert E. Lee, were preparing their defensive positions. Stonewall Jackson, Lee's audacious lieutenant, had been entrusted with a vital part of the Confederate strategy. With his troops situated near Groveton, just north of the turnpike from Warrenton to Gainesville, Jackson was the anvil upon which Lee hoped to hammer Pope's Union forces. Late in the afternoon, the relative calm was shattered as gunfire echoed through the valleys. Jackson's men had spotted Union forces moving along the Warrenton Turnpike. Sensing an opportunity, the Confederates launched a surprise attack. The ensuing skirmish at Brawner's Farm pitted Jackson's force against Union Brigadier General Rufus King's division. In the fading light and shadows of the evening, the Union and Confederate forces clashed in a brutal melee, gunfire lighting up the gathering dusk. Amid the tumult, King was stricken with an epileptic fit, leaving his brigade leaders to fend for themselves. Unfazed by the confusion, the Union troops held their ground, and the fighting continued relentlessly into the night. The ferocity of the engagement at Bronner's farm served as a chilling prelude to the larger battle that awaited both armies. As the day came to a close and the echoes of gunfire began to recede, Soldiers on both sides understood that the battle for Bull Run was truly underway. The initial skirmishes had drawn the first blood, setting the stage for the critical days ahead. In the cool night, beneath a sky filled with stars, the anticipation was as palpable as the tension. The second battle of Bull Run was no longer a looming event on the horizon, it had begun in earnest. As the sun rose on August 29th, The landscape around Bull Run bore the scars of the previous day's skirmishes. Traces of smoke still lingered in the air and the bodies of fallen soldiers lay scattered on the battlefield, a grim reminder of the price of war. The opening act of the Second Battle of Bull Run was over, but the main performance was just beginning. John Pope, still confident despite the initial setback, believed he was engaging only a part of Lee's forces underestimating the strength of the Confederates. Misreading his adversary's intentions, Pope ordered attacks against Jackson's position near Groveton, thinking he could overpower the Confederates before Lee's reinforcements arrived. Meanwhile, in the Confederate camp, Lee, alongside his trusted Lieutenant Jackson, was planning a counterattack. His strategy rested on a delicate balance, holding strong with Jackson's troops, while James Longstreet, commanding the other half of the Confederate forces, prepared to strike the Union flank. As the day wore on, the Union forces launched several assaults on the Confederate lines. With every wave of Union blue that crashed against Jackson's lines, it seemed the Confederates might be swept away. However, Jackson's men held steadfast, repelling each attack with a resolve as solid as their Stonewall nickname the battlefield was a place of stark contrasts. There were moments of harrowing violence followed by eerily calm lulls as each side regrouped. Sounds of gunfire and artillery blasts echoed through the air, intermixed with the cries of the wounded and the urgent shouts of officers. Yet amid this chaos, there were also scenes of poignant humanity as soldiers helped fallen comrades or shared a quiet word in the heat of the battle. By the end of the day, the Union forces had made little headway. Pope, failing to dislodge Jackson and unaware of Longstreet's imminent threat, was setting the stage for disaster. In the Confederate camp, Lee's plan was slowly taking shape. As the sun set on the second day, both armies, exhausted yet determined, prepared for what would be the final act of this violent drama. The fields of Bull Run, bathed in the fading light, we were about to witness a climax that would echo through the annals of history. As the light dimmed and dusk started to blanket the battlefield on the evening of August 29th, the grim toll of the day's conflict became apparent. Men in blue and grey uniforms lay scattered across the field, their fallen bodies a testament to the brutal chaos of the day. The relentless sound of gunfire was replaced by an eerie silence, punctuated only by the distant moans of wounded soldiers. John Pope, dogged by the day's unsuccessful attempts to break through Jackson's lines, remained undeterred. His belief that he was facing a part of Lee's army made him misjudge the strength of the Confederate forces and ignore the growing threat on his left flank. In the cool night air, his mind churned with plans for a renewed assault the following morning. In contrast, the Confederate camp had a different atmosphere. Despite a day spent mostly on the defensive. Their spirits were far from dampened. Robert E. Lee, with his commanding presence, brought calm to his men. He recognized the fatigue on the faces of his soldiers but also saw the determination in their eyes. Stonewall Jackson, a figure of relentless resolve, was preparing his men for the possibility of another assault. His tactics of the day, fiercely defending against Pope's attacks, had earned his troops their well deserved rest. Albeit a brief one. However, it was General James Longstreet, Lee's old war horse, who held the key to the unfolding strategy. Quietly, under the cover of darkness, Longstreet's men were moving into position. Their objective was clear and crucial to strike the Union Army's exposed flank and break Pope's momentum. The coming morning promised a decisive engagement that could potentially change the course of the battle, and indeed, the war. As night fell over Bull Run, the weary soldiers, Union and Confederate alike, sought solace in the temporary peace. Sleep came to some, but for many, the anticipation of the next day's confrontation kept them awake. The battlefield, scarred and silent, held its breath, waiting for the dawn and the culmination of the struggle that had begun two days prior. As the night wore on, The stream of Bull Run continued its gentle flow, an unwitting witness to the unfolding drama of the Civil War. Chapter 3 The Battle Intensifies August 29, 1862 As the first rays of the sun painted the horizon on the morning of August 30, 1862, the battlefield at Bull Run was anything but serene. The quiet peace of dawn was soon interrupted by the grim symphony of war, the rumble of artillery. The sharp crack of rifles, and the thundering hooves of cavalry. John Pope, still operating under his misjudgment of the Confederate strength, was preparing for a renewed assault. He believed that with one decisive push, he could break through Jackson's lines and seize victory. At his command, Union troops once again launched themselves against the resilient Confederate positions. Robert E. Lee, on the other hand, was enacting a different plan. While his right flank under Jackson absorbed the brunt of the Union attacks, his left flank, commanded by James Longstreet, was preparing for a critical counterstroke. Longstreet's troops, positioned in the dense woods of the battlefield, had spent the night shoring up their artillery. The time was ripe for them to step out from the shadows. In the early morning, the Union forces clashed once again with Jackson's Stonewall line. But despite their valiant efforts, the Union soldiers were unable to break through. Jackson's men, weary yet unyielding, resisted each attack, their resilience reminiscent of the battles they had weathered the previous day. The air was filled with the acrid smell of gunpowder, the noise was deafening, and the intensity of the battle was reflected in the faces of the men, etched with a mixture of determination, fear, and fatigue. Amid the chaos, officers on both sides shouted orders, their voices barely heard over the roar of the cannons and the constant rattle of musketry. Yet, as the morning wore on, the focus of the battlefield began to shift. In a move that would prove decisive, Longstreet, in the late morning, unleashed his waiting troops. The quiet woods on the Union left erupted with the sound of Confederate guns, and Longstreet's men advanced in a sweeping motion, hitting the Union flank with devastating force. The sudden Confederate attack from an unexpected direction threw the Union line into disarray. Men in blue scrambled to form a defensive line, their ranks thrown into chaos by the ferocity of the assault. The once-confident Union assault on Jackson was now overshadowed by the desperate struggle to stave off Longstreet's offensive. As the sun climbed higher in the sky— the Union forces found themselves locked in a desperate battle on two fronts. The decisive day of the Second Battle of Bull Run had dawned, and as the morning skirmishes gave way to the afternoon, the fate of the armies hung in the balance. Under the hot August sun, the afternoon of August 30, 1862, transformed into an arena of fierce conflict. Longstreet's surprise assault had shaken the Union forces. The rolling fields around Bull Run that had earlier resounded with Union artillery now echoed with the sound of Confederate guns. The Confederate attack was a study in relentless determination. Longstreet, an imposing figure, urged his men forward, their gray-clad lines advancing steadily through the smoke-filled air. The Confederate artillery provided a deafening backdrop to the advance, their shells screaming overhead to crash into the Union lines. On the Union side, the situation was growing increasingly desperate. Their line, which had been stretched thin by repeated attacks on Jackson's position, was now crumbling under Longstreet's assault. Officers shouted orders amidst the chaos, trying to organize their men to form a defensive front against the unexpected threat. John Pope, caught by surprise, struggled to respond effectively to the turn of events. He rushed reinforcements to the threatened area, but the onslaught of Longstreet's assault made a proper defense difficult to establish. The Union Army's morning optimism had turned into afternoon desperation. In contrast, the Confederate forces seemed to be imbued with renewed vigor. The sight of their enemies in disarray invigorated the Confederate soldiers. Their yells filled the air, a wild, fierce sound that echoed over the battlefield, a grim counterpoint to the Union cries of consternation. Throughout the afternoon, the battle raged. The Confederate artillery maintained a relentless barrage, while Longstreet's infantry continued to press the attack. Pope's forces, resilient but outflanked, faced a desperate fight. The Union soldiers, their blue uniforms stained with dust and sweat, returned volley after volley, their faces etched with resolve. As the hours wore on, the intensity of the Confederate assault remained undiminished. Longstreet's forces, in a display of disciplined aggression, continued to hammer the Union flank. By late afternoon, the pressure began to tell. The Union line, strained past its limits, began to falter and break. As the sun began to sink towards the horizon, Casting long shadows over the battlefield, it became clear that the day's battle was reaching a decisive point. The afternoon assaults had swung the pendulum of the battle in the Confederates' favor. But as the soldiers on both sides knew all too well, the final outcome was yet to be determined, and the waning hours of daylight promised more conflict and sacrifice. As the afternoon gave way to evening on August 30, 1862, the Battle of Bull Run approached its climax. The day had seen the tide of battle shift dramatically, and now, with the fading light, the Union forces found themselves in a desperate situation. Under the relentless pressure of Longstreet's assault, the Union line was in disarray. Men in blue retreated across the fields, the orderly ranks of the morning now fragmented and broken. Shouts of officers trying to rally their troops echoed over the battlefield. Their voices drowned in the cacophony of gunfire and the screams of the wounded. John Pope, his face etched with the strain of the day, tried to salvage the situation. The once confident general now faced a grim reality. His earlier belief that he was dealing with a fraction of Lee's forces had proved fatally wrong. The setting sun seemed to reflect the fading fortunes of his army. On the Confederate side, the mood was markedly different. The successful attack of the afternoon had boosted their morale. Longstreet, his face grim but satisfied, watched as his troops continued to press forward. His assault, launched under the sweltering noon sun, had turned the day in the Confederates' favor. As night began to fall, the sounds of battle started to recede. The relentless echo of artillery gave way to a haunting silence broken only by the occasional gunshot and the distant cries of the wounded. The fields around Bull Run, which had been the scene of intense conflict just hours before, now lay quiet and desolate under the cover of darkness. Even as the Confederate forces started to consolidate their positions, Union soldiers retreated under the cloak of night. The Second Battle of Bull Run had taken its toll on both armies, but it was the Union forces that bore the brunt of the losses. As darkness descended, the weary soldiers on both sides faced the grim aftermath of the day's battle. The sound of the gently flowing Bull Run was a stark contrast to the chaos that had reigned during the day. As the final hours of August 30, 1862, passed into history, the Second Battle of Bull Run came to an end, leaving behind a battlefield scarred by the brutal reality of war and a narrative that would reverberate through the ages. Chapter 4 The Decisive Day August 30, 1862 The dawn of August 31, 1862, broke over a battlefield that had dramatically transformed in the last three days. The aftermath of the Second Battle of Bull Run was a sobering sight, a chilling testament to the grim reality of civil war. As the first light of the day pierced through the morning mist, Union General John Pope faced the hard truth of his situation. The confident attack he had launched days earlier had turned into a hasty retreat. The once bustling Union camp was now a picture of disheartenment and fatigue. Pope, his expression grave, surveyed the remnants of his forces. The men, their uniforms worn and dusty, met his gaze with a mix of defiance and despair. Though they had fought valiantly, the unexpected strength of the Confederate counterstroke had shattered their line and their morale. Across the battlefield, the Confederate camp presented a stark contrast. The sunrise illuminated the faces of men who had emerged victorious from a fierce battle. General Robert E. Lee, a figure of calm in the midst of the aftermath, conferred quietly with his trusted generals, Stonewall Jackson and James Longstreet. For Longstreet, The morning was a moment of quiet satisfaction. His well-executed assault the previous day had not only broken the Union flank but also ensured Confederate dominance on the battlefield. As he looked over the men under his command, he could see the toll the battle had taken, but also the determination that remained. In the hours that followed, an uneasy stalemate descended on the battlefield. The Confederate forces consolidated their positions while the Union forces regrouped, the grim silence only broken by the sporadic firing of pickets and the groans of the wounded. The morning passed without a resumption of the battle. Pope, coming to terms with his position, focused on maintaining his defense and safeguarding the retreat of his forces. On the Confederate side, Lee held back from launching a further assault his attention turning to the strategic picture beyond Bull Run. As the morning wore into afternoon, the Union and Confederate forces remained locked in a tense standoff. The battlefield was caught in a strange interlude, a brief moment of calm sandwiched between the echoes of past conflict and the uncertainty of future engagements. The day's stalemate stood in stark contrast to the previous day's intense combat, a moment of respite in the storm of the Civil War. As the sun continued its steady climb over the horizon, the battlefield remained locked in a tense standoff. The Union forces, recovering from the shock of the previous day, braced for another Confederate attack, while Lee's men held their positions, waiting for the order to engage. Robert E. Lee, now with the initiative firmly in his hands, planned his next move. His stoic demeanor belied the strategic calculations turning in his mind. Despite their victory, the Confederate forces weren't without their losses. Pushing his advantage would cement the gains, but would also risk his men in another bloody confrontation. By late morning, Lee's decision was made. Instead of launching a full frontal attack, he chose to probe the Union lines, looking for signs of weakness. His decision was a mix of aggression and caution, underlining his strategic acumen. It was a subtle move, one designed to keep Pope's forces off balance while preserving his own troops. The Confederate probing attacks started under the blazing midday sun. Small bands of gray-clad soldiers advanced cautiously, their rifles at the ready. Across the battlefield, Union soldiers watched nervously, their fingers twitching on the triggers of their muskets. The Confederates moved with a deadly purpose, their faces grim. Every so often, a volley of shots would ring out, followed by the thud of bullets hitting earth and sometimes, flesh. These small engagements were a far cry from the fierce conflict of the previous days, but the tension they induced was just as palpable. Pope, observing the skirmishes from his vantage point, sensed the Confederate strategy. His mind raced, seeking ways to secure his position without exposing his men to unnecessary risk. As the day wore on, the sporadic engagements continued, turning the battlefield into a vast chessboard, with Lee and Pope as players locked in a deadly contest. Yet, through it all, the Union lines held. Exhausted and embattled they might have been, but the men in blue proved their mettle in the face of adversity. As the afternoon turned to evening, the Confederate counterattack had made little headway. In the cooling shadows of the evening, probing attacks finally ceased. For the Confederates, the day had not yielded the decisive results they had hoped for. But for the Union forces, despite their precarious situation, the resistance they had displayed in the face of the Confederate counterattack offered a glimmer of hope in the gathering darkness. As the sun dipped below the horizon, casting the battlefield into a crimson glow, the Second Battle of Bull Run was reaching its conclusion. The day of probing skirmishes had taken its toll, and with nightfall, a different kind of activity started to grip the Union lines. John Pope, his face lined with the stress of the past few days, had taken a hard decision. His forces were depleted, morale was low, and the advantage clearly lay with the Confederates. The determination to fight was still strong among his men, but the tactical realities couldn't be ignored. The order was given a full-scale retreat was to be carried out under the cover of darkness. As night descended, the Union camp became a flurry of activity. Officers relayed the orders down the ranks, their voices barely above whispers. The usual clatter and banter of the camp was replaced by an eerie quietness, punctuated by the soft rustle of men preparing to leave their positions. Across the battlefield, the Confederate forces were keenly aware of the movement. Lee, Longstreet, and Jackson, huddled around the soft glow of a map, made their own plans. Victory was within their grasp, but they knew that a retreating enemy could still be a dangerous one. The order was given hold the line, stay vigilant, and prepare for the Union retreat. As the Union forces began their silent retreat, the Confederate lines watched warily. The night was filled with a tense quiet, a strange counterpoint to the cacophony of the previous days. The sound of the gentle rustle of leaves in the wind, the distant hoot of an owl, was occasionally broken by the muffled sound of Union wagon wheels or the soft clink of equipment. By dawn of the following day, the Union forces had successfully disengaged, leaving behind a battlefield that was firmly in Confederate control. Lee and his generals could look upon a silent field that had seen intense fighting just days before. The Second Battle of Bull Run was over, and the Confederate victory was clear. Yet, the price of this victory was visible in the pale morning light. The once green fields were scarred with the marks of cannon fire, the earth churned by the passage of men and horses. The quietness was punctuated by the cries of the wounded and the dying, a grim reminder of the cost of war. As the sun rose over Bull Run, casting long shadows over the battlefield, the Confederate forces began to consolidate their victory. It was a significant moment, one that underlined their strength in the ongoing conflict. But amidst the Confederate victory, the Union retreat carried with it the promise of battles yet to come, of a war that was far from over. Chapter 5 – The Ripple Effect Impact on the Civil War in the days following the Second Battle of Bull Run, both the Union and Confederate leadership faced a sobering new reality. The battlefield had been a dramatic crucible, testing the mettle of both sides, and it was now time to assess its broader impact on the unfolding Civil War. On the Union side, the loss at Bull Run served as a wake-up call. John Pope, his strategy unsuccessful in forces and forces in retreat. Found himself replaced by Major General George B. McClellan. The Union leadership, searching for more effective strategies, would subsequently revamp its approach to the war. This defeat served as a catalyst, ushering in a period of reassessment and adaptation. The Confederates, despite their victory, were also compelled to evaluate their position. The strength of the Union resistance had underscored the reality that the war was far from won. Robert E. Lee and his generals realized that although they had seized the initiative, maintaining their momentum would demand further tactical innovation and even greater resolve from their men. The strategic landscape of the Civil War had shifted, too. The Confederate victory had bolstered Southern morale and strengthened their resolve. For the North, the defeat had been a blow, but it had also sparked a determination to learn from their mistakes and retune their strategies. The Second Battle of Bull Run, thus, had profound consequences on both the tactical and strategic dimensions of the Civil War. Its echoes would be felt in the decisions made by generals and statesmen, in the actions of soldiers on the battlefield, and in the hearts and minds of the American populace. It was a moment of history that had shaped the course of the war, and its impact was only just beginning to be felt. While generals and soldiers confronted each other on the battlefield, another drama was unfolding in the political arena. In Washington, D.C., President Abraham Lincoln grappled with the war's grim realities and the Union's recent defeat. Lincoln, known for his quiet strength and resolute nature, was deep in thought, contemplating a decision that would radically transform the war and the nation's future. Lincoln had been mauling over the idea of the Emancipation Proclamation for some time, a sweeping measure that would free enslaved people in the Confederacy and redefine the Civil War's purpose. But the timing had to be right. A major military victory was needed to lend weight to this declaration, the Union defeat at Bull Run complicated matters. Lincoln faced a difficult choice. Despite the setback at Bull Run, Lincoln was not deterred he saw the larger picture and believed in the Union's cause. His thoughts turned increasingly to the idea of emancipation. Lincoln understood that such a move would be a game-changer. It would redefine the Civil War, transforming it from a fight for the Union's preservation into a moral crusade against slavery. By mid-September, a little over two weeks after the Second Battle of Bull Run, Lincoln decided to act. The Union's victory in the Battle of Antietam provided the military success he had been waiting for. On September 22, 1862, Lincoln issued the preliminary Emancipation Proclamation, declaring that all slaves in the rebel states shall be then, thenceforward, and forever free effective from January 1, 1863. The Emancipation Proclamation resonated across the country and around the world. It elevated the Union's cause, adding moral weight to their military struggle. While it did not immediately end slavery everywhere, it fundamentally altered the war's character. It also provided the North with a new source of manpower as thousands of freed slaves joined the Union army. In the wake of the Second Battle of Bull Run, amidst the tactical and strategic evaluations, Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation emerged as a landmark decision. It was a powerful statement about freedom and human dignity, a beacon of hope that shone brightly amidst the shadows of a brutal and divisive war. In the wake of the Second Battle of Bull Run and Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation, the Civil War underwent a remarkable shift. A conflict that began as a struggle over states' rights and the preservation of the Union had now also become a moral crusade against slavery. The Union armies found a renewed sense of purpose in their fight. Their struggle was not just about preserving the Union now, but also about freeing millions of their fellow human beings from bondage. It was a profound shift, one that imbued the Union cause with an increased sense of moral righteousness. For the Confederacy, this shift posed a significant challenge. The introduction of emancipated slaves into the Union's forces brought new challenges. It meant more soldiers to fight against and it further complicated the South's narrative that the war was about preserving their way of life. The Confederacy now faced an opponent not just challenging their political sovereignty but also the very foundation of their social order. Internationally, the Emancipation Proclamation also reshaped perspectives on the Civil War. Britain and France, both of whom had abolished slavery. Found it more challenging to consider recognizing or supporting the Confederacy, effectively isolating the South further. As these shifts played out, they dramatically altered the course and nature of the Civil War. The Union, despite its loss at Bull Run, found a renewed purpose and energy, while the Confederacy faced increased pressure and isolation. It was a pivotal moment that underscored the Civil War's complexity and its profound impact on the American landscape the legacy of the Second Battle of Bull Run extended far beyond the battlefield. It had set off a chain of events that had reshaped the Civil War, transforming it into a conflict with far-reaching social, political, and moral implications. The echoes of this battle continued to reverberate, shaping the course of American history in profound and lasting ways. Chapter 6. The Legacy of the Second Battle of Bull Run In the aftermath of the Second Battle of Bull Run, a somber calm fell over the battlefield. For three brutal days, men had fought and died on this land, their blood soaking into the soil of Virginia. Now, the time had come to remember the fallen and acknowledge the human cost of this monumental clash. The soldiers, Union and Confederate alike, who had fallen at Bull Run were more than mere casualties, they were sons and fathers brothers and friends, people with hopes, dreams, and families waiting anxiously for their return. The magnitude of loss was profound, reaching far beyond the battlefield into countless homes and communities across the nation. The casualties of Bull Run were mourned on both sides of the divide. In the north, grief mingled with a sense of determination. Families mourning the loss of loved ones found solace in the knowledge that their sacrifice had not been in vain. It was a cause underscored by Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation, and every life lost became a testament to the fight for union and freedom. In the South, the victory at Bull Run was bittersweet. Celebrations of their military achievement were tempered by the painful reality of their losses. For every triumphant cheer, There was a family plunged into mourning, a reminder of the high cost of their struggle. Cemeteries began to appear near the battlefield, the final resting place for many who had fallen. These solemn graveyards served as a stark reminder of the war's toll, places of quiet reflection where people could pay their respects and remember those who had given their lives. The Second Battle of Bull Run left an indelible mark on the American psyche the fallen soldiers were not forgotten. They lived on in the hearts and minds of their loved ones, their names etched into the annals of history. Their sacrifices served as a poignant reminder of the human cost of war, a cost that the nation would grapple with long after the cannons fell silent. The Second Battle of Bull Run, like all major conflicts, imparted critical lessons to both the Union and Confederate forces. These lessons stretched far beyond the tactical and strategic, reaching into the realms of leadership, morale, and the very nature of warfare itself. For the Union, the battle was a stark illustration of the importance of sound leadership and well-coordinated tactics. Major General John Pope's inability to unite his forces and execute a coherent strategy had led to the Union's defeat. His replacement by General George B. McClellan marked an acknowledgement of this failing and a commitment to improve. The Confederacy, too, learned valuable lessons from Bull Run. They had seen the potency of unity and strategic prowess under the leadership of Generals Lee, Jackson, and Longstreet. However, the intense fight put up by the Union forces underscored that victory would not come easily, and complacency was a luxury they couldn't afford but perhaps the most significant lesson came not from the battlefield, but from the political arena. Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation signaled that the war had evolved beyond a struggle for preservation of the Union. It was now a moral crusade against the institution of slavery. This shifted the dynamics of the conflict and imparted a powerful lesson about the intersection of warfare and societal values. The war was no longer merely a clash of armies. But a contest of ideologies and ways of life. This realization carried far-reaching implications. It not only changed how both sides approached the conflict, but also how they would negotiate peace and reconciliation when the time came. Thus, the Second Battle of Bull Run was a monumental learning curve in the Civil War. The lessons it imparted, both in military tactics and the war's evolving nature, influenced the strategies of both sides, shaping the course of the conflict in the years to come. The Second Battle of Bull Run holds a unique place in the tapestry of American history. As the dust settled on the battlefield, the event began to take on a life of its own, crystallizing into a symbol of the Civil War's shifting dynamics, the brutality of warfare, and the resilience of the human spirit. History has remembered this battle not only for its military significance but also for its role in shaping the Civil War's narrative. It marked a pivotal moment in the conflict, laying the groundwork for the Emancipation Proclamation and shifting the war's focus towards the moral issue of slavery. In this light, Bull Run became a key turning point, a seminal event that reframed the war's objectives and deepened its historical significance the leaders of the battle have also found their way into historical memory. The strategic brilliance of Generals Robert E. Lee, Stonewall Jackson, and James Longstreet contrasted sharply with the missteps of Major General John Pope, offering a study in leadership during the times of crisis. Their actions and decisions continue to be analyzed and debated by historians, adding layers of understanding to the complexities of the Civil War. Yet, Perhaps the most poignant memory of the Second Battle of Bull Run is of the ordinary soldiers who fought, died, and survived on its fields. Their courage and sacrifice brought a human dimension to the conflict, reminding us of the personal costs of war. Their stories, passed down through letters, diaries, and oral histories, offer a visceral connection to the past, humanizing the cold facts and figures of history. Today, the Second Battle of Bull Run is memorialized through monuments, museums, and preserved battlefields. These sites stand as silent witnesses to the events of those three days in August 1862, offering tangible links to a momentous chapter in America's story. They serve as reminders of the war's brutal realities, the high cost of freedom, and the enduring human spirit that navigates even the darkest times. Thus. The Second Battle of Bull Run lives on an historical memory, serving as a symbol, a lesson, and a bridge connecting us to a crucial moment in our nation's past. It continues to inform, inspire, and remind us of the complexities of our history and the resilience of our people.